We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. If you would, find in your listening sheet our scripture for today. It's Mark 3, 31 through 35. And let me explain how we do our Bible study here before we read, because this is the last passage in our study. We have been going verse by verse through the first three chapters of Mark, and it has been good. Uh, but we're, we're finishing up that story. And our next reverse text, which our next reverse passage and Bible study, all begins next week. In fact, next week we're going to begin to study uh, Solomon building the temple. And so this is going to be an exciting new Bible study for us. It's, it's going to be Solomon's wisdom, David handing over that responsibility to Solomon, Solomon building the temple. And so I hope you get your bookmark. There's bookmarks here available out in the foyer and then your Bible study books. And everything is going to switch over next week to this new study. Now, the way we do that here is this is called reverse for us. And reverse means this. We have one text all week long for the church. So even though we have multiple services and, and multiple pastors and we have all kinds of Sunday school classes, all during the week we have one text. It's called our reverse text. And so we, we unify around this one text together in everything that we do during the week. In fact, we have a blog that's updated by our pastors daily, and every day we're talking about that same verse. And whenever we gather together, it's around the same text all week long. And so the strategy is to unify around Scripture and around one text. And so we try to do that well, and we try to do that together. And so you need to be aware, next week we have a new reverse study together. So I hope you help prepare for that and, and get ready for that with us. Um, it's going to be a good time together. Now, to the last text in our Mark reverse, uh, Mark 3, 31 through 35. Let's stand, and we're going to read this aloud together. This then is the text for today. Then his mother and his brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, there's an interesting assumption that's made here in today's text. Jesus' mom and his four brothers do what just about any of us would do. And they're, they're assuming the best here. They assume that because they are blood-related to Jesus Christ, that they have privileged access to the Christ. They assume that since they ran in the street with him when he was eight, they can now just walk up to him. And, and everyone in the crowd seemed to agree Without hesitation, they relay this message to Jesus. Your, your mother and your brothers are here. They're, they're looking for you. 
And you, whether they know it or not, this crowd is making the same assumptions. They assume that these five people have special access to Jesus Christ that supersedes all of us, that supersedes all of them. They would say, well, well this, this is his family. This is his mom and his brother. They, they've been around him for years. They, they know more about him than, than any of us. They went to the temple with him. And you see, all, all of these people that have encircled Jesus just assume that the same kinds of relationships that dominate earth are going to be the same kinds of relationships that dominate heaven. But Jesus is saying something very different here. Jesus says that the kinds of relationships that dominate earth have nothing to do with the relationships of heaven. See, when the, when the kingdom of God comes down, there is a new order. The, the first are last. DNA doesn't matter. Your last name is just out of the window. And in the kingdom of God, adoption rules. That is the new way forward. You know, as you, you read this text, it, it almost sounds like Jesus is, is sitting in, in the center of a circle, and all these people have, have come around him. They're following his ministry, the apostles there, others are gathered around. And they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, your, your family is outside, kind of outside the room and outside of this circle. And it seems as though they're, they're telling Jesus to stop what he's teaching and to stop what he's doing and to go see about his family. Go tend to your relatives right now. Now, now maybe they were just being courteous to the family. But, but hear what they're asking Jesus to do. J Jesus is in the middle of, of teaching them and sharing with them. In fact, just before this is what um, Pastor Scott led us through last week. Uh, just before this, Jesus is teaching. It's one, one of the most quoted verses of all time. He's talking about a house divided against itself, cannot stand. And, and Jesus is teaching one of the most intriguing passages in all the New Testament where he's talking about you're, you're going to be forgiven, but there's this, this blaspheming of the Holy Spirit that's, that's not forgiven given, and Jesus is, is teaching them all about these things, and they stop him, and they say, your family is calling you. Now, who are they to interrupt the Christ? And who is his family to come in and interrupt his teaching and his ministry? I would rather hear what Jesus is teaching here. I would rather hear what Jesus has to say, and, and instead we get the words of his family interrupting and saying, hey, you come take care of us. And you see, they're all assuming these familial relationships are going to take precedent here. And the ministry of Jesus is interrupted. But Jesus, it, in, in all of his wisdom, he, he turns it around and, and he takes this scene and he uses the interruption to teach us a lesson that every one of us need today. And it's a lesson from the Scripture that God has prepared for us for this morning. And Jesus begins to teach. You see, there's, there's a lot of assumptions that we make, just like the, they're making, just like the family's making, just like the crowd is making. There's a lot of assumptions that, that we make today about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And, and let me give you a few of those. You see, there, there are a lot of people who assume that because they have been in church for years, because they darken the doors of a church building, they must be all right with Christ. But that's not necessarily the case. 
You know, there are people that, that all around us that, that know about Jesus. They can finish any vacation Bible school story that you give them. And they assume because they've learned about Jesus that they're right with him. But that's not necessarily the case. You know, there, there are people out there who say, well, we, we know Jesus loves everybody. And they, they just assume, well, that means I'm good with Jesus. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, there are even people that say, I believe in Jesus, and they assume, they assume that, well, I must be good with Jesus then. But, but they're not. I mean, Scripture leads us down a different road, even, even like with this last one, James 2, 19. The demons believe in Jesus, and they shudder. And so, so what, what does that matter? You see, we have all kinds of false notions that fill our heads with confidence that mean nothing to God. And this is what Jesus is trying to reiterate to those that encircle him as he brings this together in, in Mark 3, 35. And, and what we recognize is that following Jesus Christ changes your path. Being a part of the family of God means that your life is now defined by obedience to a new Lord, that you're going to obey Christ and follow him wherever he leads you to go. Your life is at his will and not your own, that you are not your own anymore, but you are bought at a price, and you will follow Christ wherever he leads you to go. You know, one of the things that we have to work through as a church and just as a community these days is around these assumptions. Because some people just picture the family of God as just these giant estate gates that just swing wide open and let everybody in, and they just assume they can come and go as they please. And, and, and Scripture tells us it doesn't work that way. That, that's not the way the family of God works. That's not who God is, and that's not what Scripture teaches. In fact, we're going to work through several passages. We're going to have them up on the screen here. The first one's Luke 13. Would you look through this with me? See, this is, this is Jesus. Somebody, somebody comes to Jesus and says, Lord, are there just a few who are going to be saved? And, and let's read it this way this morning in a, in a similar tone. Lord, who are a part of the family of God? And who's in this family? And this is what Jesus says to them. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And, and the reason why, this is, this is not an easy way. This is an obedient way. When Jesus tells us, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, this, this is what he means. There is a narrow gate and a way that many will find offensive and many will turn around and go a different direction. And so you, you see here, so they, they can, many will, will strive to come through the narrow door. Many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now, then he begins to tell a story. He gives us this analogy. He says, once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, we'll continue, and you stand outside and you knock on the door and saying, Lord, open up to us. And he will answer and say to you, I don't know where you're from. And then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in, in our streets. And he'll say, I tell you, I don't know where you're from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And one of the important things for us this morning is on that evildoer, it's probably important for you to underline the doers part, because that's the main part of this passage. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves being thrown out. This is not an easy way. This is an obedient way. You see, there are all kinds of people who claim to follow Jesus Christ, but, but the people who are obedient to the Lord are the ones that are following his voice. 
You see, and there's all kinds of those around us and even in the church who, who say we follow Jesus, or, or maybe even more realistic, we say we're going to follow Jesus. But, but faith is, is more than saying you follow Jesus. Faith is more than saying that you're going to follow Jesus. Faith is an action where you actually do what you say that you're going to do. Obedience is more than words, and obedience is more than looking the part. Look, look at me at another one of these types of passages, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven will enter. And you get that same kind of sentiment here, right? The, 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 the words on your lips are supported by the actions of your hands and your feet. And, and what, what God is looking at, he's looking into the heart, and he's looking at the work of the hands and where the feet have trod, and, and that's what's important. So much more so than, than, than what you speak is, is what you do. And, and let's keep going, because it's, it's more than just ritual participation, because there's this, this thought in, in the church world that then and today that if I just participate in the ritual, then everything will be right. But, but that's not the case either. Look at another one. This is Matthew 12, 6 and 7. And to set this up, Jesus is quoting from Hosea 6 here. And as he's quoting from Hosea 6, he, he's making note, it, it, you can participate in the ritual and not know God. You can participate in the rituals of church and be nowhere near Jesus Christ. And so not everybody who plays the, the part of the ritual participant is in the family of God. But I say to you, there's something greater than the, than the temple is here. But if you have known uh, what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. See, we can't, can't assume any of these. We can't uh, assume that if we're a ritual participant or if we say the right things that we're in a right relationship with the Lord. And so we need to ask the question, well, who is? Who is in the family of God then? Who is in a right relationship with the Lord this morning? Because we don't want to assume that we are. We, we want to know that we are. So who are they? Who is right with Jesus Christ this morning? And, and we know how this flows. This, this flows down from the cross of the Christ. And all of those that, that are covered by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ are right with the Lord. Those, those who, whose names are written in the book of life, they are a part of the family of God. And you know, as we, we get to the end of this reverse text for the week, Mark 3, 35, Jesus gives us a clue. And Jesus begins to help us understand and, and describe what it means to be a part of the family of God. And he says there, there's evidence of it. There, there is evidence that you have known the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. There's evidence that you have experienced the resurrection of the Lord. There's evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and those in whom you see this evidence of the work of God, they're a part of the family of God. You see, who, whoever does the will of God, this is, this is what he says, you, you'll know those that are part of the family because they're doing the will of God. They're doing the work of God. Whoever does, whoever acts on their faith, there, there are these specific actions that swell up in the life of a believer that sets them apart. They are obedient. This is not easy. This is obedience. You know, Jesus says a similar thing in John 15. We'll have those on the screen too. John 15, 10 and 14. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You see, He's connect, connecting love with obedience. 
Then same thing, later in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. Christians, those in the family of God, give their lives over to Jesus' lordship, which means Christians do what Jesus says to do. If, if you're in the family of God, it means you're doing what Jesus Christ has asked and told you to do. You see, we, we don't worry about what we want to do. We don't worry about what anybody else tells us to do. Our heart and our minds are set on following the Christ and doing what he has told us to do. And what we recognize is that when we obey Jesus, this is what all of Scripture lays out in front of us, when we are obedient, that's when life becomes extraordinary, right? If, if you want to know life that is flourishing and hopeful, if, if you want to know life that is set free, it is in obedience to Jesus Christ. I, I know it sounds like a contradiction, but the most free you will ever be in this life is when you commit to be a slave to Jesus Christ. That's that's when life becomes extraordinary. You know, I, I know that, that we have lived with all kinds of things lately, that many of our lives have been riddled with pain, and many of us have experienced the chaotic nature of the shifting winds across culture. There's, there are days that, that it feels like everything is falling apart. And what you need to recognize as a believer or as one who is coming to the Christ, there is a way out. There is a way out of this. Jesus has promised to lead us out of the world and into the kingdom of God if we will be obedient ones. See, we need to hear this promise this morning. If you will obey Jesus Christ, all will be well. If you do not obey Jesus Christ, destruction is imminent. You know, we have seen ruin on the horizon with this pandemic. We have seen ruin on the horizon with politics. We've even seen ruin on the horizon in the weather. And as all of these uncertainties loom, there is a way out. And Jesus has been preaching this way out since the beginning. If we will be obedient to the Lord. And so then we ask, so what do we do? I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. What's the difference between being an evildoer and one who is a doer of the word? Now, let me give you a little bit of context of my coming here a few years ago. You know, when I came, I felt very called by God to lead this church in a specific way. In fact, in that time as I was praying about our church and where we would go, God gave three specific words. And he said, you're going to teach and enact these specific words. They were repent, witness, and disciple. And so Jesus says, we're, go we're going to be a repentant people, which means we would be able to answer the question, when was the last time you were in confession? And as a church, as a repented people, we, we would say and know the last time I was in confession was whenever, yesterday, probably, maybe even this morning. 
And so we, we are repentant people. And the same thing, we're going to be a witnessing people and a discipling people that we can say, who is the last person you witnessed to? Or who are you witnessing to right now? Who are those names? And we could say the same thing. Who are you discipling right now? Who are you growing up in the faith? That, that we're, gonna, we're not only going to teach those words, but we're going to enact those words. And those are going to be a part of who we are and what we do. And so that is where we're called to go, to be repentant, to witness and disciple. But what you recognize is those aren't magical words. These are straight from the Word of God. These are straight from the Gospels. And this is what God has called us to do. When we ask, what's Jesus calling us to do? We go back to the Word of God. And He says, I have your answer, and I've laid it out in front of you, and it has been there for 2,000 years. So when we say, what do we do? We go and look in what Jesus has already told us to do. So the first one, let's look at Matthew 4. So as we work through repentance, what we recognize is repentance is a common call through, through Scripture in the Old Testament and in the Old Testament prophets and in John the Baptist. And we get to Jesus. Jesus is starting his ministry. He, he's baptized. He goes into the temptation. And then Matthew chapter 4 says Jesus begins his ministry. And what's the first thing he tells us? The first word out of his mouth is a command. And he says, just go back. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know where to start, go back to the first thing he tells us to do in his ministry. And the first thing he says is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if we haven't been in confession, if we haven't been in repentance, if we haven't fallen before the Lord and and said, Lord, forgive me, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner, then that's exactly where we need to be today. The first word of Jesus' ministry in Matthew 4. And then we get to the last. Um, So we get to Matthew 28. So as we work through this, we recognize and we work through the Gospels, the last thing Jesus tells us to do. So before he, after the uh, crucifixion and resurrection and, and as he's about to ascend, he, he tells his disciples, he tells all of us, the end of Matthew, he says, this is what you need to do. Jesus came and spoke and says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe, again, he brings the commands in there, teaching them all that I've commanded you to do, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so you, you hear this call to witness and, and disciple in there, that Jesus is calling us to, to proclaim his gospel and bring people into the fold, and then disciple them and grow them up in the faith. This is what Jesus has called us to do. And, and, and each one of us on an individual level living these things out. See, this is, this is who Jesus called us to be. There, there's no question. Sometimes when we think about the, the will of God and what we need to do next, we think about it as, as some kind of um, mysterious thing that's just out, out there in the air and in the atmosphere somewhere. And, and if we, and if we you know, pray long enough and hard enough, it'll, it'll fall into our lap. But, but let me tell you and, and let me encourage you to run straight back to the Scripture. And what we see is there, there's a clear line of communication and clear commands of the Christ and, and we're going to run with being repentant and being people who witness and, and a people who disciple. And, and what you're going to recognize is, is when we are and when we obey, life flourishes. Life turns into something extraordinary. You, you come out of the other side of the pain of this world and you find that the grace of God is flowing from heaven and his obedient ones are blessed beyond measure. And that's what we long for in this place, and that's what we, we want to be in this place, is people who are obedient to Jesus Christ. And we recognize that that's, that's the marker, right? That, that's, the, um, that's, that's how we know that we're a part, is, is this, the Spirit working in us, calling us to action, and empowering us for action. 
And we get to say, Abba, Father, adopted children of our God. So we're going to live it out well. Life is extraordinary when we're obedient to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we are before you this morning as a people who want to obey. Lord, we know that there have been times, even very recently, where our spirit was willing, but, but our flesh was weak. Times we push back against you. There were times where we interrupted your ministry. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. And Lord, we ask that you would you'd dust us off and, and pick us up and put us back in place. Because Lord, we want to faithfully serve you. And we pray that we'd be faithful servants in the kingdom of God. And it's in Jesus' name, the name that's above every name on this earth that we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.